It's uh ooh, it's the thirteenth of December. Ah. Twenty twenty. Sunday evening. It's an evening recording. A quiet, cold evening. Is it cold where you are? It is actually, yeah. Really? I mean it's LA, it's not that cold, but Yeah, it's like LA cold. It's a little cold. It's been raining all day. Oh. Yeah. So we've got that going on and uh a little murky, a little spooky. We don't get, we get like what, nine and a half hours of daylight now, something like that, ten hours of daylight. Yeah, totally. That's it's. It, I mean, it gets uh, increasingly worse until the twenty first, or what? It's, yeah, exactly. So you, yeah, it just gets, the shutter is closing until the twenty first. Yeah, it's like increasingly just so weird. I mean, I've been I've been trying to wake up earlier because I mm -hmm. my schedule's like completely fucked up. So I've been trying to like wake up earlier so I do get some day. I actually the other night I ended up staying up all night okay i wasn't <laughs> i wasn't even drinking i was just I was, gonna say, was that with the help of anything no it wasn't i was i i what well, was the help of uh the the kindred spirits of like john keats and hegel it was just like i was just like in the throes of it and okay. just like oh, I, well, I couldn't couldn't stop i was just like making all these things and writing all these notes and shit and i was just like realized you know by like it's like wow it's like five or six o'clock and the sun starts coming up you know even earlier practically the sun starts coming up and then I stayed up until about nine. I couldn't like do the full the full swing, but uh, but it was like okay, yeah. I need to like wake up earlier. I'm gonna try to like take advantage of a fucking day at all before the end of the the end of the year. No, I love that because on the one hand, you've got the romantic archetype character, the Keatsian character, or like Novalis, the German romantic poet mm -hmm. who uh, you know, did the hymns to the night. And it's like you're actually like putting in a good effort to like actually appreciate this. And then on the other space of things, you got a dipshit like me who's like sleeping in and feels like an extra piece of shit because it's like, oh fuck, now I've completely hobbled myself and I've got like four hours of daylight. No, exactly, exactly. That's how I feel. <laughs> That's otherwise, Lord Byron approach. <laughs> no, yeah, totally, totally. I, that's how I feel. I'm like, okay, I'm just like, it's like just switch slowly switching over, you know, like more like awake yeah. by like six six p.m. I'm like, okay, yeah, ready to do some shit. Yeah, yeah. now it's kind of fucked up. <clears throat> when I have to work, I, I, I make myself do it. And yeah. I like get up and I'm like very assiduous about it. Um, but when I don't have like a set thing I have to do, and this is sort of the worst thing about being self-employed, it's like <laughs> when, when I don't have a set thing that I know I'm supposed to do, Yeah. Um, man, I will I will laze about in bed like some sort of an English lord <laughs> and just not care about the consequences which yeah. i think might be a byproduct of just this year in general and possibly no totally weather you know yeah well yeah, exactly the weather was just like that was just the icing on the cake right that was just the yeah. dark winter we were all waiting for kind of thing but it was like yeah otherwise it was like yeah the, the dampers were already put down i mean for obvious reasons and so it was just kind of like huh, yeah i mean i don't know there's not a, what what do what what do i want to do and then yeah you're like you're caught in that, in that like freedom that isn't really a freedom but kind of free time-ish and yeah i mean on the other hand i have been like i would say this year i've been like doing more studying i feel like than than i did in probably any year of college oh totally yeah me too so I'm not having gone to college but yeah <laughs> yeah i have been just this last week alone i've been dipping into uh, robert graves's excellent historical fiction i claudius nice which, when I was a kid, I saw the BBC television adaptation from the 70s, which is one of the reasons why I was a vegetarian for a long time, because there's a scene where uh, 
Is it Gamalus? Gamalus? Anyway, there's a kid who's got a permanent cough. And he's always bothering Caligula with his cough. And so Caligula, in one scene, just has his head brought in. And says, I cured his cough. Oh, nice. And uh, I remember seeing the <laughs> head and the neck. And they did a really good job with the fake head with BBC. I mean, they went pretty over the top. Yeah. And it looked like the sausage I was eating <laughs> at my uncle's house. Nice. And I was, like, sitting there watching this thing on PBS and eating the sausage. And I was like, ew. It really grossed me out. So I was like, I'm not eating meat anymore. This is a bad idea. So I, I stopped eating meat for a long time. Uh, through most of my formative growth years, which is why I think I'm the shortest of my brothers. So if anything, this <laughs> I have the Cla Julio Claudian dynasty to blame for the fact that I'm under six feet tall, and that's what I'm going to stick with. So they uh, they owe me something for not getting enough protein nourishment at the times when I should have been getting some. <laughs> difficulties but we're back yeah oh yeah no we're totally back nothing happened at all we're we're in the <laughs> we're in the zone yeah so anyway i i wanted to put in a concerted effort uh this month to learn more about uh the julio claudian dynasty i'm reading a uh biography of cicero the mm -hmm. What time period is that exactly? Like as far as That's his reign? A, uh, like right before the switchover from BC to AD. Mm -hmm. You know, because I believe it was right. uh, it, it was Nero who was in office when um, uh, Saint Paul and Saint Peter were executed. I'm trying to remember who was in office when. It might have been Tiberius when uh, Christ was um, killed, but or executed, I should say. Um, so kind of like congruent with the birth of like, you know, mm -hmm. the beginning of the, the European age or whatever, the new age, when we start counting our calendar by. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Claudius was the famous one because he was like sort of like a, clubfoot stutterer and people thought that he was uh too weak to be a threat these people were like very murderous everyone just poisoned each other um mm -hmm. uh yeah it's brutal like yeah it is weird to think about just this like the, the social environment like uh, okay so i was right tiberius was the was the guy okay. when it was right yeah. before caligula sounds, yeah i was gonna say that sounds yeah. sound about right but that was so and, and so tiberius would have been the successor to caesar augustus who is the grand who is the the nephew of uh um julius caesar okay right so yeah that's the julian claudian it's when the roman republic became an empire uh, it's like the beginning of the roman empire it's actually kind of amazing that the whole christian thing kind of happened in accord with that like i mean i guess you could 
point to a lot of reasons why that happened. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I think that whether you, uh, <clears throat> whether, even if you're like not a Christian or something, I mean, I think you, if you could take like a very skeptical angle and be like, that's the time at which like, you know, history was kind of, you know, took a certain particular turn. Right. And like, right. It kind of make, would make sense in the sense that maybe there's a lot going on right then. All these confluences were kind of like, how do we deal with this? How do we deal with this? Like people would look for a messianic character. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And like a, kind of, a, yeah. yeah. And there were a many, it seems like at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Not many, but at least a few, right? Yeah. Well, I've always made the argument that one's uh, a spiritual or religious inclination should not get in the way of one's interest in like history or like, you know, the objective study of history. Oh yeah. Um, totally. In as much as that's a possibility. Uh, but it's, else? The thing I'm learning from the Julio-Claudians is just how much of politics is really just uh, brutal backstabbing and right. and sneaky, like, betrayals and affairs and, and mm -hmm. the sort of thing where, um, and again, like, you know, I'm getting one uh, interpretation from Robert Graves that I've been told by other people is actually not that legitimate, but the suggestion that Livia... Augustus's wife was behind a lot of poisoning. She was sort of like this. I was thinking of her like when you see an old shark die or like a really old lion or like a spider, like you have a tarantula that's lived for you know, 25 years and it's dying and you're feeling kind of bad. But in the back of your mind, you're just thinking of how many living things it has sucked the life out of to exist. <laughs> um that's sort yeah. of what happens when you see like someone like <laughs> Livia die or like a head of state like George H. W. Bush or uh sure. you know any of these <laughs> totally. old when when uh when uh Henry Kissinger finally gives up the ghost, that's what it's gonna be. Yeah. Be like, well God. and that's kind of the there's like and it had yeah, I mean in a sense, has it ever changed the kind of um superficial like decorum, right, of politics that kinda kind of is like thought to exist or thought used to exist or some, you know, it's kind of like an imaginary thing in a lot of ways, but, and especially when it comes to like, you know, parliament and stuff like, right. People like look at videos, but people in parliament just like, you know, yelling and screaming at each other. So there's no, yeah. like the whole idea that like, you know, the rulers, so to speak, or the politicians are not just like a bunch of like, yeah, power hungry, backstabbing, mm -hmm. conniving weirdos on some level, or at least like are liable to be like that kind of considering the, the stakes or something you know um i don't know it's like it doesn't seem like it's probably ever really changed that much you know no. like that's the kind of the thing so it's just like it, you know we're still like the yeah, we, as we've said it many times i think on this pod but you know, the roman empire never never went away the empire never died it's funny because in i claudius there's these scenes where claudius's brother germanicus who by all intents and purposes seems sort of like uh an earnest fellow, somebody who actually believes in the correct and right methods of Roman statesmanship. You could almost compare him to like a Jeb Bush, you know, just some feckless loser who yeah. just doesn't understand politics, but believes in what he yeah. thinks of as like the system. Um, he pays homage when he goes to Athens. He enters the Athenian city um, shoeless and without bodyguards because at, in the Greek custom, and he's roundly mocked by the Romans who like openly copy the early Greco, you know, kind of it, it, mm. cultural and political milieu and like sort of like venerate it. But in the same breath, they're just kind of like, yeah, Greeks are fucking losers. Why would you do that? Like, what a dork. 
you know, which reminds me very much of America. America does that too, where it's like, if you have someone who's like, like a democratic politician who's like, well, actually we should be going down the legislative thing and, and, we, and it, there's a proper, sir, there is a proper way and means to do this. And, yeah. you know, on the Republican side, they'll just be like, loser, dork, you know, Yeah, we're well, even in like the, the inner left, you know, in fighting, right? Like the kind of yeah. holier, than, or not even holy, like the opposite of the holier than now. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of mentality of like, you know, how like Liz Warren, you know, was treated. Not like I was not you know, like, I don't care either way kind of thing. Or like, it's just like, I'm, it's not, it's be, to be expected on some level that people are going to like make fun of nerds or yeah. like a nerdy demeanor. Yeah. Shut up. Kind nerd. of a teacher's pet. But yeah. yeah, it's like exactly that kind of, and it's like, yeah, you guys on the one hand, they're dupes because they're true believers, right? They're taking it too seriously. Then they're like, they're not like hip to the sinis- the real cynical game of politics, which like, yeah. Which is a weird thing to come from from people who are like not involved in politics, kind of because it kind of like it. I don't know. It seems to give up a little bit too much, perhaps. You know, as a kind of like a cynical kind of gesture. But then, like, um, yeah, I don't. It's just like it, people who are doing politics who are actually like have positions of power. They don't really think about it like in terms of it being like a like nerd shit it's like on maybe on some level but they're going to be like well i got to get a guy to deal with that you know i got to get a lawyer or whoever to you know that's going to handle the, that aspect of the, how, how i'm going to seize power in this other way and i'm going to like make it legal you know what i mean or whatever you know it's like yeah so it's kind of a false like <clears throat> sense of how to but how to work your strategy i guess you well, know, here's like the thing here's the thing like the, the Repu- left, right yeah the republicans and the people on the far right will always cynically use the cause of like yeah. Um, patriotism and a sense of like duty and decency and remember how things used to be when when America was great and all this kind of stuff. So they'll use that, but then they will like on the flip side, knowing full well how rigged and evil and vile the game is, use whatever underhanded method to like sell anybody who believes in that down into the slaughterhouse. Like just yeah. literally completely murder people whose lives were given up to their cause. The occasional thing that'll happen from the Democrats is you'll get some fucking dummy like Liz Warren who mm-hmm. will try to play the game yeah, and try to seem decent and try to say, you know, well, I think that if we just went by the rules that capitalism could work and then she just gets bodied not just by the Republicans but by her own party. Like the pro- Republicans just mock her like a bunch of hyenas outside of a fucking uh, campfire. But mm-hmm. the Democrats will actually like work against her and just edge her out like coldly like she did what she could to like hobble bernie and whatever that you know progressive movement was and kind of like sell you know out all of that and she got nothing as a reward like she got completely frozen out by the biden people right which is just sort of like it's the worst of both worlds and so anyone who (laughs) thinks that there's some sort of like sacred rule that we should we should be living by which I, I guess I shouldn't accuse her of, but I, I get the suspicion she might be one of those people that that's part of her earnestness. It's like, mm-hmm. like, oh man, what a fucking poor fool you are. Like, yeah, what a no, poor exactly. fool. Like, that was definitely kind of the way she was, yeah, uh, represented afterwards. Like, there was a couple articles like that, too, I think, right? Where she was just kind of like, yeah, like, what's what's Liz Warren doing now? And not anything, you know, picture, pictures of her, like, as if she's just, like, on a farm or, like, you know, kind of, like, sent back to the farm. You know, you know, it's just, like, this weird you know, kind of imagery and imaginal kind of like mm-hmm. sense that it gave it to it all. You know, it's just like, okay, she's just back to her little homey, homey home. Like, you know, like, it's yeah. like it plays into the whole thing too. It's like, 
how she was, you know, seen by everybody. So her own just, state didn't have any respect for her. Yeah. And it's fucked up. And you're right, though, because <laughs> and it's in, you know, and that's like why, you know, as people dragged her afterward. But I mean, like Kill All Normies or whatever, uh, Angela Nagel. Yeah. I mean, in that book, I think she does make a point that like it was a trick for like it's a bit of a self-deception on the left to think that like transgression and um uh being edgy and all these kinds of things that are are like like count like you know countercultural staples so to speak yeah that those are uh somehow you know uh only on the left or something or like no no right. grand don't, perversion don't, belongs to the right like real no, sick exactly. perversion like, belongs like you're to the saying right. like yeah, yeah it's like those like on the face of it they're like doing all this but on like they'll sell somebody on the river you know they're way more like undercutting but they have like this yeah like this uh, superficial layer of like loyalty but it becomes like such an abstracted loyalty like mm -hmm. the things they are loyal to that that kind of creates like this this plausible deniability or there's like the endless you know ability just to kind of completely fuck everyone over and yeah no it, it's really funny so here's a good comparison like somebody like kamala harris versus elizabeth warren elizabeth warren like she sort of became a useful idiot for the biden camp you know or maybe she was maybe maybe she was sticking it out for what she thought was principles but she really did punch left every chance she got and she never really took a shot at the establishment. And when she was given the opportunity, she has wrapped her arms around the establishment as recently as congratulating Neera Tandon for getting her position in the Biden administration. Whereas someone like Kamala Harris, who was also deeply unpopular in her own state, she knew when to drop out. She dropped out before her own state's primary. She did the do thing. She did the diligence on that. Oh. Even though she'd taken shot at a shot at Biden... Uh, people knew that she would play ball. They knew that she was much more cold. She was more calculated. She had a sharper point. Yeah. Um, there's that line from, I, I keep going to Joy Division lyrics because like, even though the guy died when he was like 23, I feel like he had a lot of things figured out that most people probably couldn't. And he was also... Ian, is that Ian Curtis? Ian Curtis, yeah. And also he's somebody who I feel like um, has a weird intellectual lineage through a, a conservative reactionary side going way back not even reactionary a conservative mm -hmm. side going way back to like the the roman empire like he understands well, it's like fascism yeah it's like true like roman fascism like he understands that he's like my yeah. my scribe for that but um instincts that can build still betray us a journey that leads to the sun soulless and bent on destruction the struggle between right and wrong that soulless and bent on destruction line is how i just feel like a lot <clears throat> of political yeah. movements actually kind of work themselves out to be yeah no and there is like a there is like an asymptom or like asymmetrical relationship like totally and it's, it's the way of um you know the right is just so like or like christian like you know the mall like kind of um what's that guy's name um got like preacher guy who's super popular joel olstein yeah like, that, like it's or trump for example people trying to make, and obama courted make room, him like make, make up some kind of thing for trump like like and it's just like the amount of cognitive dissonance you're having to, to display and mental gymnastics and just like completely it's so clear that you've sold out like your soul your like real sense of whatever you know supposed ideals you like think you have your ideology it's mm -hmm. like you know you're just like a you're basically just like a mall like person you know like just like it's like these people who are just like i don't know it just seems uh because the other people who are like the more just like backwoods people like those people are just like kind of cut between it's again it's like the lumping right they're not really like Mm -hmm. so much involved and then the people who are like are like 
kind of represent the right. It's just like, it's incredible. But, you know, and then it's incredible with like how cynical they really are, right? There's not like, the, the idea that there's like the few and far few believers still that exist on the right is like, you know, definitely I think a thing. Like the conservatives, you know, the real conservatives. Yeah. Like, all that kind of shit. Um, but then like on the left, you know, it's like, yeah, you basically have this kind of process of people being like, continually just like gut punched and just like have the wind knocked out of you like at every turn just kind of like oh my god they're like constantly just like demoralized and like having to like but in a way because it's like damn it like i want this so much more like i have like a sincere belief you know kind of a thing and it's like so so, there's a, well, so here's the thing the the lumpen people who you know just for like the listeners benefit um essentially means those within the general population who don't necessarily have traction in society but have no interest in like a, a revolution um they don't want to you know they're just sort of like in the midst um the lumpen people are sort of like a big question mark but they are the fo- the natural foil to the immobile leftist and the immobile yeah. leftist is the person who is completely intractable because of uh their senses of a, a need for a, a complete um a, a complete adherence to an ideology that's ever changing so for instance a leftist from the 1990s would not necessarily have much in common with a leftist from now mm-hmm. because culture has advanced in that period of time and, you know, like I was watching an old Eric Andre, I was watching Eric Andre episodes, right? And Eric Andre, I think, is somebody who, if you were to look at him beyond a cultural phenomenon, is probably someone who's on the left. He supported Bernie, right? Well, even he, you know, uh, he's kind of like a bridge between like 90s culture with like that whole Mr. Show thing and stuff and sort of like right. modern culture. Mm-hmm. Um, in one of his seasons, you know, I guess he, this is the first thing he's put out in four years. He was talking about trannies and he used the word retarded. Sure. You know, and it's like he would be canceled by yeah. the advanced guard of the left there of whatever mm-hmm. that might, might be. So the lumpen people who are just sort of like there and don't have any traction, but could get excited enough to provide, let's just say uh, no traction, but they could become a non-Newtonian fluid. So when you put pressure on it, it actually holds weight instead of sinking. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that's what that could be. Whereas the left is just like literal uh, quicksand, the opposite, you know, something (laughs) that you might think of as a non-Newtonian fluid. It's just it's just something or or even better. It isn't quicksand. It's something that appears to be a ground that um, has 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 land on it. But it's really just moss and bits of green over a pond. (laughs) Yeah. And and, and so you you drive over the lumpen thing and it's like, oh, it looks like a, a quicksand mud, you know, morass. And it, right. it, it holds weight. Uh, the left thing is, is a shifting thing. It's never the same and it will sink you like right away and it will make enemies of you where once you were allies for reasons that you might not be able to understand right away. Which is, I think, an interesting thing. Um, so like, kind of sounds unrelated, but I've been reading this, uh, or starting to read this uh, uh, Edgar Allan Poe prose poem called Eureka. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, which is a trip. So, fun fact, d- real quick, before you get too far into it, Edgar Allan okay. Poe is one of the first authors I've actually read everything by. Really? And yeah. I really, when I was a little guy, but yeah. you, you excite my curiosity and my interest saying that. So, please go on. So, you have you read it? Of course. Okay. Um, and it's like dedicated to Humboldt, which is, you know, uh, Von Humboldt. Uh, right. Yeah. Not, Ball hum- 
Right. It's like Eureka is in I've discovered it, not Eureka like the town. Yeah, but I mean, isn't that isn't that a little bit coincidental and odd? I mean, that it's like because because the Humboldt states are named after Humboldt, like sure, Humboldt, yeah, and that it's like yeah. Eureka is like you know Stone's throw. So it's just kind of like a little bit weird, and like like Eureka is like a place that has like weird things. You know, it's behind the redwood curtain. It has also, like all by, that kind by of... the way, like Alexander von Humboldt is one of the few people you could actually celebrate as some kind of an interesting hero. Kind oh, of he's like a Garib- super interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, but also like, like Garibaldi I mean, or someone like that. Like he yeah. actually has like a lot of cool things about him. From he's that, that kind of like like Yelta kind of like you know Weimar Republic style like education and like this like yeah like almost renaissance like yeah for sure like and yeah. that's kind of what uh you know Poe's getting at right a little bit is like he's he's mm. talking about these like ways of understanding the world uh it's like he's basically talking about like metaphysics on some level but he's talking yeah. about comparing like you know kind of like fact-based people versus people who operate by like eternal and immutable laws right and it's what you said before in terms of how the left has to keep like adapting so to speak right well that's like almost a point of pride right i mean and and it kind of should be and then it's like so you're like constantly adapting what are you adapting to well you're adapting to the changing uh you know situations that get borne out in like the the adherence to new facts that are found essentially Mm -hmm. you know and so and what's right, which is what may, has made, I think, a part of the kind of hysterical or hysteria or just like, you know, brain breaking kind of last four years or whatever, even probably a little bit before that. But like, you know, Ben Shapiro's like, you know, facts don't care about your feelings kind of mentality where that's like the became the wedge, right? Where it's like all of a sudden the left is like losing grip with reality, you know, in terms of its facticity. Whereas like think about like the left back when it was like more of like anti like, you know, um, Iraq war or you know any of that because it was like they're using facts to go against the Republicans right and that's still like they're still doing that constantly it's like all this fake news stuff and so it's it's a weird thing but because there's I mean Poe I haven't gotten the you know far enough to kind of completely bear it out but he's like you know he's casting some dispersions or at least like kind of the naivety of this that position because it's like you're you're, that's kind of what's going to happen to you you're going to have to keep adapting but then in doing so it's like you're you you make yourself vulnerable each time that you're like doing that new adaptation, especially when it gets uh, more caught in between what is a fact and what is like a moral fact or like a more or a subjective state, right? And that's yeah. like, and, and how that's much what's of fucked it, up. How much of it can you wring out through guesswork? That's another part, if I recall, about like uh-huh. the whole Eureka thing, because it, it's a Archimedean mm-hmm. sentiment. Eureka, right. I found it when he's talking about using displacement to find the weight of something or whatever. <clears throat> yeah, right. That's, you know, that's, you know, or the weight of gold. Yeah, how much water it's displaced. Mm-hmm. Um, with Poe, it's sort of like Edgar Allan Poe kind of existed in a weird cosmology where he seemed to suggest that the universe was a weird place whose language right. had been completely written out and had a cipher to that language. But mm-hmm. that language could only be reached through madness and guesswork. Right. On some level, for sure. Yeah. Like, or, yeah, like, <laughs> and going in like the lunatic, like a lunatic, like a lunatic kind of thing or some kind of like, yeah, right. lunar energy, like madness or something for sure. And he seemed, yeah, he seemed to acknowledge that people who are inherited with that kind of madness, mm-hmm. that kind of lunacy had to be in on the forefront and, and, and considered important in figuring out the cipher of the universe almost as much as scientists themselves. I don't know, but this is something I've discovered was something that exists in Poe's cosmology because Poe's cosmology 
is built around the weird and the horrible, sure. the unfathomable. It's also, it's also like a detective style situation as well, though, on some level. Sure. Yeah, I know. He, like... Well, he always had, he, he created the first detective with the character in the murders of the Rue Morgue, the French detective. What the fuck was his name? The guy who figured out that it was like an orangutan that was doing the murders <laughs> in this impossible thing. Uh, and he had the sense to himself in his mind. He's like, I, you know, before Sherlock Holmes, he was the guy who yeah. could harness the chaotic, wild, uh, fucked up nature of the universe and put the pieces together and make the Rubik's Cube work uh -huh. and the colors align. He could make the colors align in a way that other people couldn't. For sure. Uh, I mean, that's how I feel, you know, reading this. It's just like, wow, like, uh, like, you know, it's like when I was just yeah. kind of like, oh, shit. But, but I mean, like, I don't know, just back to kind of what we were saying before, it's just like, you know, this, this adherence to the facts. And I think like you're saying as important as scientists, I think he's saying that they're more important, like, or at least there's a, or not, maybe not more important. It's not necessarily the way to think about it, but it's just kind of like, you know, that they're both probably going to exist, but, but the people who are like operate more on, on like the, the laws are like, uh, like a, a few steps ahead, you know, of the game, you know, in a mm -hmm. sense, or like something kind of along those lines, you know, it seems like there's a the uh you know the people that know these these like subtler things about how things operate or work that have been always true you know it's not like we have to change that you know or and then but it's also like he points out fundamentally that like the the very first thing that people talk about is like the, like the law of identity or something like that just like that something mm -hmm. can't be itself and not be itself right and that he's basically saying that like that chalks up to essentially just being a lack of imagination that like the only reason i can't you know call this pen a, you know a pen and not a pen is because like on some level it's unfathomable for me to be able to even like think about like what that might be right like that's like mm -hmm. some kind of a i don't know and he's, he's writing this from like multiple perspectives it is kind of like a prose yeah. poem or something so it's like kind of you're kind Ceci of like pas un peep. yeah this is not a pipe yeah but you're kind of going through the uh i don't know kind of navigating thing but it's just but it's interesting so i mean like in i don't know so it's like yeah, I think this, uh, it's like working with the facts, but working against the facts. I feel well, like, a, you know, yeah, you have to make up the patterns, you know, you have to like, like you're saying with the Rubik's Cube or like making the colors align. It's almost like knowing what those laws are, like you're saying, like people who can just re like do the Rubik's Cube without looking at it, right? Like that they know how many things you have to turn to do that, right? And so. Well, yeah, but here's like a good example of that would be Georges Lemaitre, who, um, I think about this actually sometimes when you think about structure and order from a wildness as uh, Georges Lemaitre was uh, uh, the Belgian uh, priest and cosmologist um, who came up with the most rudimentary early version of what we would consider the Big Bang Theory, right? And uh, so he's sitting on an intellectual, um, an intellectual pile, a, a, a history that goes back not only to whatever like practical discoveries happened within monasteries and within you know cloistered scientific communities but also literally within places of like madness and revelation and prophets and seers and wildness you know mm -hmm. like the people in the desert who made proclamations his vision of the world goes all the way back to the beginning of genesis the book of genesis with in the beginning, there was darkness. God said, let there be light, that whole, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That's what his intellectual um, lineage is. And 
so if you look at that degree of like variation chaos and you see somebody who is like applied scientific theory to it well that's really fucking amazing isn't it that's really something that is an right. interesting frontier that's an interesting frontier exactly exactly yeah it's it's a it's a it's a it's like a having and balance those two kind of you know kind of diet not like they're not they're not like diametrically opposed by any means but they're kind of like diagonally potentially kind of like start to get further further away from each other like the longer it goes if you don't like try to keep them you know together in a sense um yeah because it's just like there's this this you know the scientism or whatever you want to call it or it's like the i fucking love science kind of mentality right that like it's right this this kind of like the gross ridiculous kind of residue of like the kind of dawkins god delusion stuff and then like right the the dawkins thing it reminds me of there was this book called the happy hooker that came out in like the 60s it was like the confessions of like a a, a prostitute and it was like really scandalous at his time i always thought like the early atheist books is like the happy atheist a world without god can you (laughs) believe we don't need this totally and then yeah well and they're like smugly just fine with it it's like you know i I don't need that like because i have my facts and i've got my facts are like it's amazing the world's actually incredible then like you know q neil degrasse tyson's like whatever you do anything it's actually science and it's like it's more incredible as because of that right like there's always like needing to just like make it seem like i don't know more important and then all the fictions have got yeah sorry go on well just like the like you know so it's a terrible representative of science right or like what it what science could be and then on the other hand you've got again you like joel olstein's new age like just you know batshit grifters like you've got yeah. all these different people who are just like the almost awful representatives of these tendencies that you know used to be in like in, kind of in line or in tow with one another and like but now well, they've just kind of been like whether artificially or just part of like drifting apart and like there's this weird hard to yeah bridge them. I, I, I would like to make it clear to the listeners out there that um, whatever my religiosity, it does not extend to the universe of Joel Osteen. <laughs> and that I assure you all that I have a lot more in common with Bertrand Russell and, uh, you know, Jean-Paul Sartre and people like that than I do see, I mean, it, yeah, like, I, with I, uh, uh, yeah. Joel Osteen. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, sure. But I mean, but on the other hand, I kind of think that Bertrand Russell's like a, like one of those bad representatives of science in a sense because like oh he's a terrible sure. representative and like yeah. like i don't know there's a that video of him and he's just like it's just so vapid you know it's like what do you think we should do what would you tell the kids it's like adhere to the facts it's like what he says it's just well, like doesn't this go okay? back to that point i made about uh stephen jay gould talking about non-overlapping magisteria when it comes to the difference between religiosity and science well yeah that's the thing though but like they i don't i think they should be like they need to be in the same house again kind of thing like, well, because there's that there's that Arthur C. Clarke story where he talks about like this super intelligent computer that like goes through all of its changes and basically like takes over the universe and then decides to collapse the universe and then at the very end decides that that's an unsatisfactory conclusion. So it says, "Let there be light," and the universe begins again. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. so you've invented artificial God. Very good, but. Philip Pullman does something similar in his works for children as sort of like an anti-Narnia. Whereas, interestingly enough, C.S. Lewis, when he writes the Narnia stories, even in his weakest book, The Magician's Nephew, he talks about different dimensions and different Uh possibilities in the universe. And I just, I, I have to say that like the scientists or those who are within... And, and I, I am a huge fan of those kinds of dry science fictions, you know? Um, Oftentimes they fall kind of short when it comes to 
they have to fill the god-sized hole somehow and they always find something there and it's always some sort of like artificial like mad wild cavity this this you know this this thing that is just housed with a bunch of different happenstance and circumstance and it just seems like you're doing an awful lot of shading in there you know yeah no totally because you can't deal with the ambiguity of something that is <clears throat> well and again to me it be, it comes with the human mind reaching the frontier of something that might actually be it, this is why I like Wittgenstein outside of the ability of our language to discuss mm-hmm. it's it, it might be outside of the boundaries of what we are capable of as yeah um, see I think uh, yeah yeah, you know, when he talks about what language was invented for and what language is meant for as communication, maybe language isn't the correct way to discuss God. Chapter six and verse eleven. If you wanna get to heaven, you've got to ask the man who owns the property. You gotta dance your dance and do your act. And get his big attention. That's a natural bone fact. I mean, there's that, there's that, there's that reading, but I also kind of, this is, this is something I've been kind of like trying to get out and feel out recently in a sense, but it's like, and you know, to put it in conspiratorial terms, right. But like, you know, Wittgenstein and Nietzsche almost do a similar thing there. They like, you know, they, they, uh, like deflate the, like what language can do. Right. And, mm-hmm. and it's like, don't overreach with language languages for this and this and this and like, and then, and so there's, been it's like, but people still write poetry or like, right. Like there's like this, you may never think like solve these like positivist or po- like lot, like positivism circles or th- whatever of like provability and all that kind of shit. Like it's, there still exists the mystery, right? Like there's still no escaping from the like fundamental mystery of living or on some level, you know, like mm-hmm. the things that happen are that are anomalous to you that, that you're either going to like chalk up to like somebody else knows what happened you know, if I was to ask them and they had like, or if I had like the device and the special thing that could see that then, then it would have known. It's like, a, it's like a tree falls in the woods kind of, you know, weird kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's so, and it's to say that like similarly along similar lines, it's like, where did religion go and where did like true atheism go? Or like, where did, where did that, where did the, where did the overlap or connection between those two go? And I think that in a weird way, like it, it was almost at almost, it seems intentional and the kind of like, don't look over here anymore. And then mm-hmm. because like what was going budding at that same time is like, you know, theosophy and like these like new mysticisms, like new mysticisms and like these that are like universalist, like, right. They're trying to like uh, take in all of the, like the previous religions to some degree, the big ones and kind of be this like comprehensive new form of spirituality that I think in a sense like usurps, usurps the other ones and replaces them and is basically, and this is like, again, without thinking about this in a, like a too like, oh, the, yeah, the, like in the Illuminati or whatever, but just think about it as like people like in rich people have always like needed like a magician or an astrologer or some seer yeah, or, or like at least seek the advice of people like that. And it's from like, John D to Rasputin to Rudy right. Giuliani. Exactly. And it, like, just to think about just any person, just because they're rich doesn't mean they don't like have doubts and then like things about their life that they're going to question and wonder about, especially if they're yeah. juggling a bunch of things that are like, you know, a, cl- a, cl- a house of cards kind of situation, you know? And it's like, 
those people are probably even weirder on on, on that level you know like they're probably like you know and there's like there's examples from history about that kind of stuff of just like the obsessive kind of nature that that, that can be of like oh i'm gonna my power is gonna get away from me kind of thing and so just think about how what they what people like that might do where they might find a spirituality that satisfies them right that doesn't that seems to them because a lot of these what like theosophy specifically or like a lot of these new age like they um they have an account for jesus they have an account for buddha and all the like the kind of messiahs and they kind of are able to just kind of like I said, like usurp the narrative and like replace the narrative. And it's just kind of like it got occulted, right? And that's why it's a cult, esoteric, you know, books and stuff. But it's like on some level, it doesn't mean it's real or like more real or any of that. But it's just like it incentivizes people's action. Like it, 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 it like it, and it like creates legacies of power and but like people that share things like in, you know, communities it, and whatnot. It, but so. here's the thing. Here's the thing that they never account for that they can't understand because they don't put in a good faith effort to understand is the mystery behind it. It's not that nope. the people that you had just described, the sort of mm. theosophist types, those sure. sorts of things, the new atheists, um, the people who are trying to build, the Thulians, the people, Thulians or whatever, the people are trying to build like a different, you know, what have you. Mm -hmm. um, I, Claudius, begins with a really good scene where he goes and visits the Chimaean Sibyl, right? It's either the Delphic or the Chimaean Sibyl. I think it's the Chimaean Sibyl. doesn't matter. Point mm -hmm. being, he goes into the cave. There's a red light that is pointed at the Sibyl, right? The Sibyl seems to be godlike, rotten, decayed, frightening, like beyond human. You know, a voice yeah. comes out from the cave, speaks to him. He speaks to the cave. He tells them who he is. I am Claudius Tiberius, you know, Drusillus Nero, whatever his full name is, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's not it. It's similar to that, though. Um, and anyway, he hears the shifting behind him. He knows that a slave has moved the red glass that was in front of a torch that was shining upon the corpse of the old Sybil, and now another sh a slave has moved uh, a torch behind another white glass that points at the living Sybil. Mm. So there's a shift, and he understands the theatricality behind it, right? Uh-huh. However, then the Sybil proceeds to give a prophecy that is entirely in keeping with what the uh, uh, arc of the uh, Julio-Claudian dynasty is going to look like for Claudius's life. So she's like accurate. She's accurate. And of course uh -huh. this is a work of fiction, right? But the point sure, is sure. that this is like, what is the author trying to say with this? Well, mm -hmm. it's the same thing that happens when you go to a Catholic mass or a lot of old world religion, religious uh, 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 events in a Catholic Mass, there's always that point where they say the mystery of faith. It's after they have the host be imbued with the Spirit in the Eucharist mm -hmm. and all that kind of business. And they say the, the mystery of faith. That's the moment where you're actually supposed to appreciate the difference between, you know, symbolism and ceremony and all of that and the part that you connect with that is with the living aspect. It's the mystery. Mm -hmm. And that always seems to be the thing that like, it just seems like 
people who aren't really engaged with any of this sort of thing kind of miss because they're trying to replace it with something else. They're trying to find something else out of it. They're trying to find an explanation where they can handily and easily and conveniently tie up everything from, uh, you know, like you said, the Buddha to like Muhammad to Christ. To well, yeah, but I mean, but the, see, the yeah. thing is like, there's a difference to be made between like those people, like those are like the third answer between the two. I'm saying, you know, like you've got like your, mm -hmm. you've got your new atheists on one side who wanted like like they're gonna fix everything with facts. They're gonna debunk all these things and go, that sounds ridiculous. Are you kidding me? No, yeah. people are just do like this, and then sure. and then you got the religious, you know, then you've got like another false kind of like thing coming out of the, like the you know very bad representatives of mainstream religions and also like new agey things. The thing about new age is that they just don't realize that, that to the degrees to which they've like inherited other new age you know beliefs from previous things mostly that come from like theosophy and like you know some early 1920s 1910s you know style shit then it was like when it was like really taking off and all that stuff is like really seeped into culture like more than people i think realize and it's kind of just like they are the ones who like re like put the snakes back together you know like in the Carducius or something like that like they're the ones who like recognize that you have to have both and and then there's a mystery but the thing is that the people on the other sides keep on getting duped and they kind of fall in the middle they like fall between this abyss that like exists between them that the people who are like go through the middle and are like because they're like don't have to deal with like they aren't seeking the belief in such a way like they're almost like like they're not seeking the answer they're seeking like to kind of like mystify further you know what i mean sure, almost yeah and and then so the people who like like the people who are powerful already who seek you know validation or information from those people yeah like you're saying they want something else out of it they don't they don't want the mystery they want the power they want to like keep whatever's going on they're you know they're trying to know something about something it's a means to an end right so, but mm -hmm. then you've got the left thing like that's kind of going back to what we're talking about the facts and everything it's like you're kind of like you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot i guess it's kind of what i'm trying to say because it's like by just being like a fact adhering person or whatever and thinking that that's going to like help you bear it out every single time and like narrativize something that's actually going to inspire any people to do anything or that like there's that you're not actually cheating you know quote unquote when you like you know make your own pattern so to speak and then like go like hey look at this i think this is what's going on and they're like no i don't think that's what's going on because look like look over here and that says this this that says this and then you're like, well, no, that, but it's also like, if you look over here, it says this too. And that's kind of like, that changes that a little bit. You know what I mean? So it's like, you have to like, be able to argue for your point. And it, if it's, it's like, you, if you are deferring to facts that are increasingly abstracted from like your daily existence or your ability to know them on an experienced level, then you are like, you're effectively like, you're kind of giving up some control, you know, very, very potentially, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so I think it's just like it's easy to fall into the trap, and I think it's part of like why the left has like continued to to lose ground, you know, just like and to kind of having to uh, uh, like go backwards and or not what's the word I'm trying to look for, but you know what I mean, like retreat into just like moralism, you know, in a weird mm -hmm. way, in like in the in this taking that from like the right almost because like the right became deplorable, and it's like so we got we're gonna take the high road. And that was just so strange how that kind of just like seeded into the general like kind of just mentality about it, honestly. And it's like, but and it's seemingly all, all like equally gross and weird how it's just like the the edge lord, just like cynicism of the right and like posters and people who want to like quote unquote find their friends on Twitter and all this kind of like you know these Pepe guys and stuff. It's just like 
they're mm-hmm. equally disgusting and they're just like you're equally like like lost i should say yeah totally and, just, and it's just like you guys are just like equally like just wandering around just pissed off and that's like how you look for your friends is be like oh yeah you said the n-word too cool hey i like to say that word cool yeah. <laughs> um uh you know one thing that uh i think is unfortunate about the uh erstwhile title of this uh podcast was uh the fact that like i do genuinely think that like the difference between almost any uh uh, group of people versus another in terms of the value of engagement is whether they are engaging in good faith or not right or if it's just sheer bad faith and i do think that people on the right those particularly I think on the right, there's the lumpen types who just sort of like fall for things and don't ever consider, they don't think about much. There's no real analysis. So it's yeah. like, it doesn't really matter much. So and if you just like laughs at the other kid getting shoved in the trash can or whatever. It's right. Like, oh, it's kind like, of fucked up, but it's funny. <laughs> you could actually like have a persuasive argument and move them in a different way. That's why mm-hmm. a lot of them wanted to like embrace someone like Bernie. You know, right. they just wanted something different. Right. Um, but the people who are like the more intellectually engaged on the right are operating more and more in bad faith. Mm-hmm. But I also see that like in the centrist liberal thing, because like they're yeah. always just trying to square a circle that, and I, I use that term a lot, but like I just think it's very useful because like they're just trying to like recreate a reality that frankly doesn't exist. Yeah. And, and selling for out them, for li- li- like the younger generation that like, how's the beliefs you know or like how's the feelings they're like using this fuel you know what i mean and it's just both sides know for a fact that they are using people who are desperate and don't have another answer and don't have another outlet whether it's like the lump and shitheads on the one side or Mm -hmm. the like people who are on the left but are scared of not being in the establishment or represented that's what the democrats Mm -hmm. thrive on they Mm -hmm. thrive on abusing the fuck out of people who are on the left who want things to be better in this country, mm-hmm. but who will never get that delivery. Yeah. And they but, are playing on fear and like yeah. self-consciousness in a, in a, a fairly perverse way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, Democrats abuse the shit out of fucking African-Americans that way. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing is like, we're your choice. That's it. Yeah. And you have to deal with like a 80 year old man who like openly fucking you know embraced a segregationist for his entire political career yeah that's what you have to deal with and we'll throw you kamala harris as a fucking like you know a little gimme but <laughs> it's a pretty fucking embarrassing like condescending gimme yeah and you know with the right it's like that's the thing we're, we're when it comes down to it in my personal life it's always been like what's my willingness to just openly state what i think to be is like the oracular truth to something yeah totally you know what what, what do i think is actually like correct you know mm-hmm. and like it's is, so funny which How is the an more... interesting thing to sorry to say like because it's like what no, are you like adhere, when you're adhering to like there you're hearing like to like almost like something to, like it is something bigger than just the facts right though it's like more it's there's something more substantial to it it's like more mm-hmm. real it's like the reality it's like all of it you're taking into yeah. account like the facts. I'm taking into account so and so's feelings about that. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you're kind of having to like account for it on a different level that doesn't just like 
well, this is this is how it is. Therefore, you have to then adhere to it like that, like this part of it. It's like always, it's always, um, like half of what it should be or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, there's always a fucking sell to it because it's mm-hmm. all buttressed by yeah. a transaction. Yeah. At no point is it just an honest interpretation. Again, like people mock. I mean, I don't know. I know people who think that it's a facile position to really appreciate someone like Socrates or, you know, Christ or Nietzsche. Anyone who were any of these people who are like basically unapologetic truth tellers. Yeah. Basically to the uh, detriment to their own lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know, um, particularly with like Socrates and Nietzsche, but like. um, With. With with those, that whole idea that like, no, I, I don't have a, a dog in this hunt beyond the desire to be searching for what I consider to be truth. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, I mean, I think that, and I think of like, you know, something I was reading about recently, you know, it's like, uh, uh, what is it? Is it Menippean? Which one? Menippean satire. I'm not, I, sure I, it's I, pronounced, I, I'm not sure if it's pronounced Menippean or Manipian, but Manipian, okay. But it's like a it's a kind of satire that's kind of like contrasted with like the one the, you know the, the satire as as done by like Aristophanes, which is more like about personal attacks, like you're attacking like a direct kind of a person, like a, some kind of statesman or something like that, right? Um, you're talking about like Aristophanes, like um, the frogs the, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, and then like okay. and then like Manipian satire, like you're attacking kind of like these like thoughts, the like the ideas, the kind of like these caricature archetypes, these like things that people can become, like the braggart, the the you know, the you know, the scientist, or like the, in these kind of like capital lettered kind of ways, you know what I mean? Where they kind of become like figures of the play or something like that. And they are like coming with that, mm-hmm. coming with like Nietzsche and like Socrates and all these kinds of things. Like the, Yeah, it's like it's a burlesque. About, it's about having like this burlesque, yeah, kind of a, a carnivalesque sense of the world, right? And that like yeah, Socrates was mocked. Christ was mocked. Nietzsche was mocked. Certainly, I mean, Nazism is like a great burlesque mockery of Nietzscheism. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Nihilism. I mean, I mean, yeah. I've been referring to things as like a humiliation ritual lately because it just kind of feels like that. I saw that. Yeah. And it just feels like one, like like it's like a kind of a sad clown thing, you know. Like that's why, again why I feel like all this stuff's like in the kind of whether it's like a part of the subconscious or like collective unconscious or whatever, you know. It's just like all these media products that like. Okay, so can I say stuff. something about that? I'm, yeah. I'm curious about it because I want to say, I think these monoliths, honestly, they're kind of like a mockery. I think yes. the whole point is like, because look, they look so much like the monoliths from 2001, yeah. except for like, I think there was one that was found in Eastern Europe and like Romania or something that was clearly like a copy. Yeah. Like just some fucking dude the, was the, like. They had the side. Cy Twombly, as I was saying, Cy Twombly collab. Or yeah, like the Cy Twombly version. <laughs> he did the Cy Twombly version. He shined up the, the hood of his Yugo with a fucking right angle grinder until he had it the way it should look. <laughs> but uh, the, the thing I want to say is like there's ciphers to our behavior because you yep. have on the one hand, you had those like wannabe neo-Nazi types who knocked down the one while yeah. like streaming about it. Crisis King and, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, Crisis King ones. Yeah, those assholes. Who were like terrified of Antifa chasing them when it was just probably someone who was like, "Hey, what are you assholes doing?" I never and and then and of course they ran off like little cowards. 
And then you have the people in Utah who were like, hey, this is the desert and uh, you shouldn't be like destroying an ecosystem. People are going to come here and shit everywhere. Right. There was a guy from Humboldt County, actually, who was <laughs> a, 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 a HSU grad who was among those who knocked that one down. Really? Um, yeah. Whoa. And, and the whole point was like, and I kind of agree with this sentiment, which is like, hey, you know, you can just put this thing up here, but like people are going to flock here and it's going to ruin an ecosystem. And like we're really conscious about fucking like hiking in the desert, like that's our thing. Interesting. So he it was actual environmentalists that took that one down. Yeah, right? no, it was environmentalists. They were just like, "This is bullshit." Like you fucking leave this thing here, people are gonna come to see it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, they're gonna shit out here. They're gonna leave Doritos wrappers. They're gonna no, fucking like. Yeah, that's totally true. And it's like we don't, you know, in the desert that shit lasts forever. It's like we yeah. we're not trying to fucking spread that. So we're gonna take your fucking so trash what, down. You can make a video. On a YouTube video where you go like, yeah. here I am, I'm at the monolith. Um, yeah. This is so crazy. <laughs> there was a, that guy and those girls who were like crying because they'd driven 15 miles to, or 15 hours to see it. And they're like, it's not even here anymore. <laughs> um, but the whole thing, like, I, I think that the monolith is, uh, and again, this might be the most facile fucking interpretation. I don't fucking care. It might just be just like, here's a mirror to see how you guys behave. So you um, think about it. Yeah, it's a scrying mirror almost. Yeah, because yeah, I'll, I'll tell you one thing we're not going to get out of it. We're not going to get a fucking star child. I'm not interested <laughs> unless we get a star child. And if you interpret 2001 the way it was meant to be interpreted, the monoliths are essentially like stargates to a next dimension onward and onward and onward yeah. until you get to the human zoo in which you are trapped and you are studied by an advanced race and when they have studied every aspect of your being they're going to re- unleash you back on earth as a star child the next evolutionary step in uh, you know mankind's development that's very interesting uh, hmm. that adds so I, so I was yeah go on sorry did you ever hear that interview by the way of who uh there's an interview with um uh stanley kubrick where he basically just spells out what 2001 was supposed to be oh no i haven't because like i didn't the, the idea i'll, the I'll send you the link thing, but that's... it's basically just that it's basically just like you uh-huh. go through the different fucking and it was kind of like you kind of intuitive if you watch it enough times you kind of uh-huh. get that right um and the very end you know you have the two you have the the star child uh uh in the embryonic form next to earth right and that's the next step because obviously the next step from evolution came early on with the monolith with wow. uh, ape creatures from bone to satellite. You know, that big jump where it's fighting with the bone, throws it in the air. And uh, anyone out there who's listening, there's a great album by the band Tarantel called From Bone to Satellite. That's what that's about. Huh. But uh, yeah, it, it's, it's literally throws the bone in the air, becomes a satellite. That's the next scene. Like it's 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 levels of evolution. The whole yeah, thing is about levels of yeah. evolution. See, yeah. yeah, it's like time traveling, like fractal. Like so, I've been thinking of this thing, like a like you know, like a record. You know, like this is like a pretty common idea. And then there was that one, uh, sure. that that paper that came out, like oh, st- like grad student solves time travel problem or something by like basically mm-hmm. thinking about it in terms of like just a record and thinking like of the grooves as being like not connecting. Okay, and so that if every like if every ring in the thing has like is a has i don't know this is probably not how it is but kind of like this it's like it has to be on the same timeline and so it'll all end at the same time basically is the idea yeah but you can theoretically like hop hop through or hop hop you know rings kind of thing and and then so what what you're saying 
and it's like this is just again like it's it's a cultural like ritual or something on some level because like you're saying it's like a fucking scrying mirror and it's like on so it's on that level like it's like yeah what are you guys gonna do so it's like an arg there's all these kind of built-in just like engagement factors and then but on like the kind of like symbolic level i mean so with like trump's moon program right artemis yeah i'm not i mean this is going to sound like kind of bonkers but like i mean that's like that that's going to be happening right and so and then tomorrow is the eclipse a solar eclipse that can be seen only in like southern uh, south america like the southern yeah or like northern tip of argentina or something like that like a kind of a small region there uh but so there's that going on and i was looking at what's going on on that date and i've been reading all this like different symbology about like basically um like artemis and like the white stag and this kind of like the myth of the white the white stag or the kind of the bull um and it's all kind of like they all kind of overlap like uh pretty easily and like, you can see like the cultural like exchange and like mythological narrative exchange and stuff going on and like that just makes me think about like so what are they what's going on then they're, they're basically like because they're gonna do the Artemis thing, and it's like the whole website was like the first woman and the next man on the moon, right? And like in the picture, it's like you can see the moon, and you see like I think the like Mars slightly in the background, and so that's kind of a weird like almost homage in a sense to that the imagery of just like the little like little baby in the background or something almost like the little orange baby in the in the because the white stag thing is it's like a this is a it's like a very early the white a white stag is like a youth leadership group, right? Uh, kind of like the Boy Scouts, and started like some started in, like Hungary, and so it, there's a Hungarian myth that all relates to all this stuff about like you know this this you know knight or whatever who has to go save a a moon maiden in oh. in the woods, and it's yeah. it, it, it grabs back again onto like Artemis and all of those kinds of things. It even grabs onto kind of like Arjuna and like uh like you know the, like. The, somebody with like a bow it's all kind of like astrological zodiacal kind of shit too which is like there's one way to interpret a lot of mythology of just being like you know constellations moving around and like when this is there and that's there and that's the story that goes along with it right and so that's kind of what's going on right now and like th then tomorrow i was just seeing I, I was tripping out so i got this like this program called stellarium and you can uh you know it's like look at the stars and do all these different times yeah. and stuff it's like google earth for space and uh on that date like there's uh there's gonna be a, a starlink you know satellite and it's like right in like the third eye of taurus and there's all this stuff about the bull right the bull is kind of like the, another kind of thing like an ibex or an ox or like all these different things that and a, any horns like cloven wolf like hooved creature right that's it's supposed to be like it's actually like a majestic creature that you just like follow to your destiny kind of idea like in the the true thing and then like it's got kind of switched up to be satanism this is kind of like the the read of this from from the white stag organization itself um and it's so it's pretty interesting just to think because these are like like and i'm not trying to be like you know be like conspiratorial either it's like i just think that like again i think these people like consult astrologers you know like they like there's a reason to like make all this stuff align you know yeah. and, and it's not because it's magic it's because when somebody then around like you and i goes and looks into it we can go what the fuck why is it why how do <laughs> what the yeah. hell and then that like that is that? like that is reason enough in and of itself like it may not seem like it on some level but like you've already got them at that point you know what i mean like you it's you know you you can you know if you were like don't become none the wiser kind of thing and i think that that's like uh, yeah i, I think know. some people oper do operate out of a type of like uh cut up 
technique chaos magic that like uh burrows and bowie and brian Eno kind of pushed sure um as well like i think there's all kind there's mm-hmm. like a grab bag well, those guys are like, yeah, why... like the more like true heads those are like the ones who are like would be more into the mystery or something yeah. who, who are like you know want to at least like you know do their own battle with a centaur you know and like kind of yeah. like try to do it whereas the other people it's like i feel like they're trying to they either are artificializing it in their own lives or like they're a part of some other process i mean in a lot of cases though these are like lineages of families you know that have had power sure. for a long time and they're like royal or whatever you know or industrialist families or something yeah you know? so it's that's also part of it too like these are traditions that they've passed down through their families on some level just you know not too unlike other things and so you know it's just like and how much of symbolism is like congenital into like the human condition mm-hmm, like right. how much of symbolism is like inborn like we have these yeah. images and dreams i mean there was a reason why uh steve albini called his band big black because it was the idea of there being this big dark character that was the villain you know mm-hmm. yeah sure. um yeah, exactly. It's How like the archetypes, you know, and stuff like that. It's yeah. like, yeah, these these things that you keep on going to, which again, it kind of gets to kind of like I think it's one way to think about this kind of idea of like facts versus like laws, like these almost like unchangeable, like again, or the forms, you know, are kind of another way I think to think about that. On you know, or like the laws are more like related to the forms or something. These kind of like these you know geometric like structures that are kind of like inborn things that happen. Like like Poe says it early on into it, where it's like. You know, if, 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 of course, you're going to conceive of a beginning, and if you conceive of a beginning, like you're going to conceive of an end. You know, it's just like it's just built into like the, yeah. the basic unconscious notion of it. You know, before it even becomes conscious as a thought, it's kind of like that's what you're thinking, and then you made it a thought. You know, it's like, yeah, 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 pretty much. I mean, it's like, yeah, that's 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 how it is. We have. Uh we have these sort of things baked into our heads and they don't <laughs> they don't have anywhere to go but out and yeah. and when when they come out they come out in curious shapes and sizes and smells and uh it's a it's a fucking wild thing yeah no totally i so, mean sorry go ahead well, no i was going to say so on that like we're we're not going to get our star child but yeah. <laughs> what are we going to get out of this What's what's our well? That's like what Star Child will they give us though? Like that's kind of what I'm saying. Like we may not get the ones that we would like, but it's like they're gonna present to us somebody, and it's like going to be the Star Child, and it's gonna be like, okay, great, or something. You know, like that's probably like Mm -hmm. again, it's like it's not, it's like, yeah, I don't know. I who knows? I don't know. Maybe we won't. Maybe I really have to say parenthetically that I hope that Pete Buttigieg is the guy <laughs> that tries to anoint himself as the new god <laughs> with like the gold coloring on him oh, and like man. comes out in the festival and like people mm-hmm. just boo him and he gets turnips thrown at him and he is maybe possibly eaten by the very poor. Like those who are the most immiserated <laughs> in this country yeah. when things are really bad. The great irony you know? of like yeah the rat boy it, being eaten by like just like a bunch of hungry it's like gnawing, dur, 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 i'm to be your new caesar <laughs> good hello people i have learned your language and i have uh, advanced amongst the tri the the, the democratic tribe people are just like boo <laughs> i mean yeah i was and, about alexander the great and he was one of the first people to self-deify like that 
he really did set the standard for all of the Roman like emperors, right? Starting with Caesar, Julius Caesar mm-hmm. is when you really started having. Oh, the the whole Julio Claudian uh, dynasty was um, marked by the idea that these guys are fucking gods, right? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, there was a, a chap in I Claudius who was executed for saying something that he thought was kind, where he said that I, uh, uh, he had a, a coin of Caesars in his hand, and he said, I would like to uh, ask my uh, dead friend to go down with his ghost and speak to Caesar and ask him uh, whether his uh, he's happy with the fact that his tributes have not been paid. There were some tributes that were owed by the you know, empire. And, and so Tiberius, who was the successor was like, what you think that Caesar Augustus is, is, is a simple ghost down, down in Hades. I may have said Julius, mm-hmm. I meant Caesar Augustus, but anyway, you think that he's a simple ghost in Hades. Pfft, he is a God, you fucking fool. <laughs> and just for that, I'm going to send you down to Hades. So then you can think about what you did. Damn. <laughs> and he has him executed. Right. Yeah. So that's the idea. Like we are mm. supposed to be, like uh, uh, it's it, it's a very it, it's a it's definitely not the Christian notion of an afterlife. It's like we shouldn't even deign ourselves to be lucky enough to be in the same afterlife as these people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I, I like the idea of like Pete Buttigieg anointing himself in such a way because he has been working <laughs> totally. with it. exactly and and just getting like his fuck just just beaten to death in the streets. <laughs> Just it's fuck you, you little rat. Nobody likes you. And you know what? I'm I'm not gonna lie. There's probably gonna be problematic reasons for it. There might even be like reasons that I wouldn't agree with, like reasons that are like homophobic, for instance, or or you know whatever. Because he he looks weird. Like I don't agree with hurting <laughs> someone for those reasons, but I do agree fundamentally with the ultimate idea of hurting Pete Buttigieg because <laughs> he seems like a complete fucking like empty piece of shit. Yeah. who has no real uh, sense of anything and wants to anoint himself our leader without leading us to anything better than we already in. So with that in mind, <laughs> one can't help but just say, well, I don't agree with the, with the, with the crowd that's baying for blood. And I don't like some of the things that they're saying. I don't agree with those slurs. <laughs> I am not going to sit back and pretend that I'm not somewhat happy with this conclusion. Yeah. No, I mean, if, like, yeah. if anybody's self-anoints, I feel like that would kind of be probably my position either way, you know? <laughs> well, guess what? We have two people coming in who essentially just fucking did that. <laughs> I mean, like, all things yeah, no, you're joking right. aside, no, you're right. like, that's what happened. Like, nobody wants these fucking people. Yeah. Nobody fucking wants these people. Yeah. But here they are. Well, in a sense, too, Trump. I mean, like, it is very weird that Joe Biden and Kamal Harris, like, their, their thing, the reception in the media, like their whole thing, like that wasn't like how it's usually done. Oh, and so they were annoying. Yeah, they're, they're again, uniquely very, very unliked dis- by the democracy. Yeah, exactly. And so it's just kind of like, well, they're both trying to usurp, you know what I mean? Or throw it into this like civil war, quote unquote, like state of exception kind of thing of just like, no, we're going to do away with like, yeah. that. All the things that we thought, like we, that, like what we stood for. Because everything uh, needs to be put on like hold now, and we gotta like fight this out, you know. Because it's gonna be, you know, whether it's 
you know corona but it's like they're always there was always going to be the contention now forever like the presidential election thing it's just gonna be like it's never going to mm-hmm. be the same this is gonna, they're gonna drag this on for so fucking long that's my yeah. prediction yeah <laughs> okay well this has been kind of fun we've yeah. kind of Meandered. covered a lot of <laughs> the uh monolithic empire that never ended there you go yeah i like it all right i like it too well thanks <laughs> Thanks for chatting. That was I. I actually, I'm. I'm going to tell something just to uh, peel back the uh, in the interest of honesty and peeling back the uh, <clears throat> curtain a bit more. Mm. I drank about two, uh, eight pints of or sorry, eight, eight ounces of uh, bourbon while having this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. No, it felt good though. So I, I was, hope that um, no, our I, listeners and you had had a good time. But, yeah. Uh, I, 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 I'm taking a drinking break, particularly just because of bourbon. I, I only had a very little bit, but it's like bourbon, uh, man. Of all the spirits, it's it's got the evil ones. Okay. The, the <laughs> finds. Yeah. I don't know. So well, I, I all things must be balanced, my friend. Yes. And uh, kid, I have taken your share, and I have to say, uh, it has <laughs> it has yielded fruits. Whether those fruits are. <laughs> Good or not, we'll let the uh, audience decide. But uh, I hope everyone had as good a time as I did, and I'm that was hope fun. you had as good a time as I did. All right, all right, man. Cheers. Talk to you soon. Adios. Adios. You saw sagacious Solomon. You know what came of him. To him, complexity seems plain. He cursed the hour that gave birth to him and saw that everything was vain. How great and wise was Solomon. The world, however, didn't But soon observed what followed on.